Ben Gurion was establishing a government. He was trying to convince the yeshiva shevelt to send the yeshiva bacharim out to the army as well. And he met with the Panovitz Arov of Yosef Kahanaman and he told the Panovitz Arov that we need bitachot. Uh, we need security for the land of Israel. We need to have everybody, able-bodied man between 18 and 20. They got to go out to war. And the Panovitz Arov listened attentively and then he responded to David McGurn and he says, you believe in bitachon and I believe in bitachon. Abitachon is when you pronounce it with the tam milara. That means on the second syllable. Bitachon. He says, I don't want to be milara. I want to be milael. And because when you pronounce the word with the tam on the, the hadgosha, is on the tam milael, it's on the first syllable, then it's not bitachon, it's bitachon. I believe in Amunah Bitachon, the Aleph base of Yiddishkeit, Amunah Bitachon. I you believe in bitachon. How granted we might need our Aristotelists, we need to have a tzahal, we need to have an army, but the real army is the Torah. The Torah that we're learning is Rav Noach Albam said, every Rashi is a missile, every Tesis is a bomb, every single a Gemara safer that we learn is doing things beyond our wildest dreams and comprehension. We can't just have the on the field bitachon, we need to have bitachon. In fact, years ago, I remember this is way before, and not only October 7th, but way before more prevalent security threats. And there was a bomb that was placed by a shul in New York, by the RJC, the Riverdale Jewish Center. And that triggered a lot of ensuing dialogue should the shuls all over the tri-state area now hire security. So a short while thereafter, I was in Eretz and I had a yechidus with the Chaim Kineski, the Godador, the Saratayra. And amongst the many things that I discussed with Ruchayim, one question I asked him was, I asked the Rav, Do I need my shul? Do I need to hire security guards? So Chaim Kineski answered me, If nobody ever speaks in the middle of davening, you don't need any security. So I said back to him, I said, That's the worldview of Rechaim Kinevsky. And his worldview, when there was a security threat on BMG on Lakewood years ago, and they asked Rechaim, do they need to hire security? He says... The Koach says, you don't need any security. He says, but yes, yeah, some of the guys, they bring cell phones into the base. Oh, they bring cell phones in? Now you need security. But if you're so much co-kula on a Kodesh Baruch as a wonderful member here, had just shown me a cancer survivor, he has on his truck, Eino Milvad. How does a yid lead his life? Eino Milvad, Veschon, and Pragdal, and Poseglam, and hey, Rav Chaim Elozhin is Marech and Ev Shachayim and Shargimel Perkid Beis. 
And that if you live a life of Adam of Adel, that nobody can lay a finger on me unless Hashem wills it to be. Chulin, Avzayin, Amad Beis, Eino, Namnokev, Afilu, Etzva, Ketana, Shalom. Elam, Kei, Machris, and Olam, Elam, Allah. Nothing gets done without the divine puppeteer. Hashem, you spoke, pulling the strings, Kamayukla, every step of the way. Eino, Mavado, if you live a life of Eino, Mavado, then nobody can cause you any harm. Then you live a life of Emestika, endless Simcha. Because you're living with the Boreola. Chana, after waiting years to have a child, finally starts her famous tefillah. And Sefer Shmuel Aleph and Perk Beis, Posik Beis, Ain Kodesh Kashem ki ain biltecha. Ain Kadosh Kashem, ain biltecha. There's no other Kayach in the world but Hashem. And nobody can touch you, as the Meshach Chokhmah said. Every bullet has its address. And no bullet will harm you, no bullet will touch you, unless Hashem Yisbaruch wills it to be. Morav Rabbi say, I have three nephews in the Israeli army right now as we speak. I have friends of mine in various places in the world that have anywhere between three and five of their children in Gaza right now as we speak. Just last week, my 19-year-old nephew by the name of Shmuel, he is a Ben Taira, he's someone who learns. And his Ashkafa, he went to the army. And he just finished basic training and they sent him out to Gaza. This story happened this past week. His platoon is Gadu, they were going out on a mission in the middle of the night to Gaza. And his commander said, Shmuel, you're going to take this APC, a Rashi Tavis, an armored personnel carrier. And he was going to be one of three APCs joining the mission. He went into the car, took the key, put it into the ignition and it wouldn't start. Spent five minutes trying to get the car to start and the car refused to start. Called his commander, the APC isn't starting. He says, you know what, Shmuel, you stay back tonight. The other two APCs are going to go in. You and your Hebra, you stay back tonight. They went on a mission in the middle of the night to Gaza. Rahman al-Itzlan, the commander, was killed along with four of the platoon members. My 19-year-old nephew lost four of his friends and his commander in one night. The crazy thing is that five to ten minutes after his car wouldn't start, someone said, Shmuel, can you please move that APC? He says, it doesn't start. He says, try again. He went to try again five, ten minutes after all those attempts put the key into the ignition and the car started up instantly. So my sister said to him, Shmuel, Karalacha a miracle happened to you. He says, yes, a miracle might have happened to me. But four of my friends and my commander didn't have that miracle. How do we get through things like that? There's only one way, it's called the Munabitachan. It's called Abateach Hashem Chesed Yisrovenu. It's called Einam Avado. Nothing happens unless Hashem Yisbaruch wills it to happen. Even if things don't seem to make sense, it doesn't matter for Somech and Hashem. As Moshe Wolfson, the Mashkicha Torvadatz, Tav Torvadatz writes in his Amun Sitecha, Parshas Kisavo, and also in Inyan Sukis. Based on the Hershey and world of phonetic cognates, if words in Lashon Kodesh sound alike, they so often are intrinsically interrelated. And you want to be Basimcha, be Somechan Hashem. 
If you're so mech, you rely, all of you on Hashem Yisbarach every moment of the day, and then you'll always be besimcha. But if you feel ne'ezav, you feel abandoned, then ne'ezav will result in ne'ezav. But if you feel the Abishur God is distanced from you, the first question you have to ask yourself is, is who moved? God didn't go anywhere. Eno Mavado means I live with Hashem Yom Avalailo. And with Eno Mavado, you can get through anything and everything. We're about to start Sefer Shmos, the Sefer Gula. Let's make our way to Perkidal and Posik Tezvav. We're holding now in Parshish Peshalach. And it's time to split the sea. What are the greatest miracles in the history of mankind? And so what happens? Hashem Yisbach says to Moshe Rabbeinu, what are you doing davening? Speak to the Jewish people and tell them to march onward. Ask Slarchaim Akadish the obvious difficulty. Hashem, what do you want from the Jews? What do you want from Klai Yisrael? And they got the Egyptians hot in their tail. They can't go back to Egypt. They have a formidable, formidable raging sea in front of their eyes. What do you want them to do? And you told us, we daven, that's what we do, Jews in a time of distress. In a time of tsar, what do we do? We open up a house and we scream, I yizaku. As I fret, the Archaim HaKadosh asked the Archaim, what happened to Tefillah? What happened to Tzaka? Dabur Abedei you soldiers, tell them to march onward, Fort Viter, where are we going to go? We're going to walk into a sea. Writes the Archaim HaKadosh. When Midas Adin is sholate in the world, when the strict measure of justice is meted out by the Almighty above, and then all the Torah and all the Tefillah might not save you. But there's one thing that can always save you. Even when the Malach HaYelion, God's celestial court, the heavenly angels cried out, and what did the Jews do to deserve this miracle? What did they do to deserve it? Our Chaim says, you know what you pull out? Amun HaBitachon. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to march into that water. And I know that if God told me to march onward, that water is going to split. I, it doesn't make sense. I, I don't see it happening. It doesn't make enough. Just go weiter. And the water will split. That's not Shem Shevet Yehuda, Let me tell you a great story. Story of a Sephardah yet Some reason these stories happen with the Sephardah more than the Ashkenazim. Uh, but this Svardiyat from Bnei Brak was in my office years ago. And he told me, he says, Rabbi Feiner, he says, I have a daughter who was born to us years previous as a midget. Our daughter was destined, Rivka, to be a midget. And as she was going on in years, my wife and I would cry ourselves to sleep at night. She's going to be bullied in school. Mistama, most likely, she's never going to get married. What type of life is our daughter Rivka the Midget going to have? And lo and behold, Rivka grew up a very happy girl in a simcha filled home. And one day the father says, he turned to his high school girl, Rivka, and he says, Rivka, tell me, what's your secret? How do you do it? How are you always so happy? Don't you know if you're a midget, you probably won't ever get married. How come you're still happy? Arifka says, Abba, talomivin. Daddy, you don't understand. I learned 
in elementary school about Kriyas Yamsuf. And I learned the Medrash that the water split every time a Yid walked into the water and you let the V of waters get up to your nose when you were ready to die drowning in the water. That's when the Yam split. She says, Abba, don't you understand if I had been alive in the days of the Yitzhiah from Mitzrayim, I would have been the shortest Jew around because I'm a midget. So I would have jumped into the sea before everybody else, and I would have split the yam because it would have gone up to my nose before it would have reached the nose of everybody much taller. So I would have been a nashamenuinadav, and I would have split the yam for everybody else. That's a holy neshama, and he came back to my office years later to say, Rabbi Feiner, I have a besura taifa, my daughter Rivka is a cow. Because that's a munabitacham. So how did the Yam split? It wasn't just jumping in. We have a Yalkut Shimoni in Tehillim number 873, tough, tough eye and Gimel. And it picks up on the parallel terminology, Vayar Hayam Vayanos, asks the Merish Ma'ra Hayam Ra, Aronosho Yosef, the Or in the Ark of Yosef HaTzadik, Shinamra Ola Vayanos HaChutza. And the Mela, since Yosef ran out without any clothes on to escape, uh, the Lord, the seduction of Asus Potiphar, Mida Kenegamida, the Yam, the Yamsim now splits before Ronasho Yosef. Uh, what's going on over here? The idea, of course, takes us back to the opening narrative, the opening Psukim and Parshas Bashalach. Vahi Bashalach Parosam, and right away we read, Vahikach Moshe's Atzmas Yosef Emo. And why am I interjecting with something seemingly irrelevant? He had to take the Atzamas of Yosef, and the Chari Yosef was a Sholem. He took the bones. What's it a reference to? Ella, what's Atzmas Yosef? The Atzmias. What's the essence of Yosef? Yosef taught the world Bitachon. Can you imagine somebody who's 17 years old? He's the close son and disciple of Yaakov Avinu, the God Hador. And Yosef Atzadik is detested, hated by his brothers, thrown into a pit of snakes and scorpions. Aye, there's no way he's going to escape alive, and yet he emerges alive. But yet he gets sold to Madonna, Madonna, Yeshua, makes his way down to Egypt. And he's on his best behavior, and still he's being lured and seduced by Isis Motiva day after day. And he passes the test day after day. And finally, she falsely accuses him of wrongdoing. And immediately he's thrown into the dungeons, he's incarcerated, thrown into the abyss. All the pits where nobody ever really came out alive of the dungeons of ancient Egypt. And Yosef Atzadik must look up to the Boreal and say, Hashem, this doesn't make sense. And he asked this Fasemis, it doesn't make sense. Eloat Nisayon, Agoreres Nisayon. For the real Tzadikim Hashem says, I'm going to show, hold them up high and highlight how they teach the world Bitochon. How can a person go on because Yosef HaTzadik is living like what? He's the first one described in the pages of Tanakh as an Ish Matzliach. Why is he an Ish Matzliach? He's Matzliach, whatever he put his mind to. And because Haya Shemito, the Yevishter was with him because he lived and he breathed Einam Avadu. And if you live with the Boreola, then you can live with the snakes and scorpions in a pit and the middle of the desert. And yes, you can be in the dungeons of ancient Egypt and you can be there 10 years and then get another two years. And you never, ever give up. That's bitachon. See, yes, we need bitachon. But much more important than any bitachon is bitachon. Same Panevitzerov came over to Achatzka Levenstein one day, and we know that the Panevitzerov of Kadam is a world-famous fundraiser. 
He was a Golan Nifle, he was an Eloy, the Gedol Maseret, and he not spent his time building up all the yeshivas, and then he would have been the Golan Dar. And he had Rav Shach as a Rosh Hashiva, Rosh Hashim as a Rosh Hashim, he had Rachatzka Levenstein as the Mashkiach Haponovich. And one day he approached Rachatzka Levenstein, and he said, Rachatzka, he says, Bakosh Smechila, I beg your forgiveness, but I wasn't successful this month, I can't pay your paycheck on time. Rachatzka said, Gevaldik! Said, Panovich Arov, let's do a Rakita. And they started to dance. And the Panovich Arov looks at his Yadin Rochatzko. He says, Rochatzko, have you lost your marbles? I just told you I can't pay you this month. How are you going to put food on the Shabbos table? How are you going to pay the electric bill? He says, Why are you so happy? He says, Panovich Arov, don't you understand? Back in Europe, we had no idea where our money was going to come from. So I had to daven and scream out to Akkadosh every moment of every day. I had to live with endless, incessant bitochen. But now I come to Eretz Yisrael, I have this master fundraiser known like as the Panevich Arov, and he gives me my paychecks on time. I don't need to rely on God anymore. I got the Panevich Arov giving me my paycheck. So I started forgetting about you. But now that you told me I'm not getting my paycheck this month, yes, back to God we go. Because now I know my money doesn't come from the Panevich Arov. My money comes from Akonis Brochel. Because ain't no bovado. When God wants you to have money, you can have money. And if He doesn't want you to have money, you're not going to have money. But it's all God. The same way, if He wants you to win the Powerball, I just officiated a Leviah today, this morning. And one of the family members of the Nifta got up and said, Ah, that's my father. He always entered the lottery thinking that he's going to win. He never won. Imagine how much money. How much money we would have today and he not entered the lottery. I know a certain rabbi. Every Moti Shabbos, he buys a lottery ticket. The store owner thinks the rabbi is going to win one day. So he goes in on every ticket 50-50. Says, Orthodox rabbi must tell me he's going to win. He says, every ticket will go in at 50-50. You win, we split a 50-50. Abai say, if God wants you to win, you're going to win. And Mordechai Benet. The Mongyanavas, a Godol in the time, a Rikivegar, he had a Talmud. And the Talmud said, Rebbe, I love learning. I want to continue learning, but I ran out of money. He says, I'll tell you, I'm going to daven for you. And I want you to take the following six numbers. And I want you to enter these six numbers in the lottery in town. And you'll have enough money to learn for the next two years. This happened in a shtetl in Europe. So the Talmud was so excited. He went home that night, he took off his black hat, pre-Borsalino days, and he turns his hat upside down and he rips up 60 pieces of paper and he throws them into the hat and he's about to pick out the numbers. He says, Hashem, please let my Rebbe be true. And he picks out the numbers and he sees the same six numbers that his Rebbe just gave him. Oh, the six numbers. He's so excited. The next morning he wakes up and he goes to the lottery and he enters those six numbers and the winners announce the next day and it wasn't him. Can't be. She goes back to his Rebbe, Mordechai Benet. He says, Rebbe, I entered the six numbers and I didn't win. He says, it's not possible. He says, you did win. He says, Rebbe, I'm telling you, I didn't win. He says, tell me, did you test me the night before? He says, yeah, Rebbe, I tested you the night before. He says, you tested me. You didn't believe in the Munas and he didn't believe in my tefillah to HaKadosh Baruch You only got those six numbers one time and you used it up the night before to test me. <laughs> And Rabbi Sa, you think that's a story of 200 years ago? I had a Sephardi taxi driver. I know it's always the Sephardi taxi drivers. And I know it's not the Knesset. They're not running the world. We know it's the Israeli taxi drivers. They're running the world, especially the Sephardi ones. 
I had a Sephardi taxi driver in Israel, true story. And he's driving me on a Motsi Shabbos. And he says, Bimachila, he says, do you mind if I pull over to the Hamakolet? And if you mind if I get a lottery ticket? His name was Nisim. Nisim Dayan. Nisim, he's a person of miracles. He says, Rabbi Father, do you mind? I said, I don't mind Nisim. I thought he has to go to the bathroom. Okay, you have to stop. You have to stop. He comes back into the car. I said, is everything okay? He says, yes. I said, do you mind if I ask? He says, I needed to buy a lottery ticket. I said, Nisim. <laughs> I said, I understand you like, but you have to, he says, you have to buy the ticket before 12 o'clock on Motsi Shabbos in order to tell them that week. I said, what's the story over here? He says, I'll tell you a true story. He says, six months ago, I had a dream and I dreamt six numbers and I woke up and I remembered the six numbers vividly. I remember them clearly. And I told my wife, I'm going to write down these six numbers. He says, I entered the lottery every single week for six months. With those six numbers that Hashem Yitbarach put into my mind in the middle of the night in a dream. And I entered those six numbers and I didn't win. I said, so what happened? He says, after six months, it was one Shabbos. Uh, that he was a little busy on Mote Shabbos. And you have to buy the ticket by 12 o'clock. And he was driving a couple from Tel Aviv to Yushalayim. And it was already late. And he figured, you know what? I didn't win the last six months. I'll skip just one week. He woke up Sunday morning, took out the newspaper. There was a lottery in the country for 30 million shekel. I know it wasn't powerball, but Rabbi Sai, there's plenty you could buy for 30 million shekel. Okay, we could get everybody in St. Louis. We could buy you all apartments, maybe not in Sharei Chesed and Rechavio. 30 million shekel. And they were exactly his six numbers. He said he didn't get out of bed for the next three days. I said, Nisim, Hashem gave it to you once. But Nisim, my friend, Nisim Dayan, I said, Nisim, if you really believed Hashem gave you the gift, then you would never, ever miss that one week that you didn't buy the lottery ticket. Teretz is what? He didn't believe 100%. When he saw Salater told the Talmud of his, you want to learn for another few years? Go enter the lottery. I go buy a ticket. He bought a ticket. And he saw Salater says, what's the lottery? He says, uh... A million dollars. He says, I'll give you $900,000 right now for that ticket. He says, sure, Rebbe. He says, then you're not going to win. Because if you're ready to sell a million dollar ticket for 900000 then you don't really believe you're going to win. I believe in Hashem. I believe in Hashem. Dabar B'nei Yisrael, the Yisrael writes to Archaim HaKadosh, March onward, B'nei Yisrael, you didn't split the Yah. But if God told you, go into the oven, then you go. And you go and you know it's going to be okay. The yam will split. And if it doesn't split, then God didn't want it to split. But if God told me to do it, I'm going to do it. And I know that it's going to turn out okay. Because if I'm so mechan Hashem, I'll always be besimcha. But if I feel ne'ezav, I'll be ne'ezav. Rabbi say the olive base of Yiddishkeit is a moon of bitachon. Tzadik b'menoso yichyeh haboteach b'Hashem chesed yisovenu. Live every day of your lives in Olam Avado. Put yourself in the hands of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So, boys, so let me close with the vart of not Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky, but of his Rebetzin. Reb Shimshon Shera learned in Philadelphia Yeshiva told me he heard this from Rebetzin Tema Kamenetsky. 
Tobin Melech writes and tell him, Kapitol Nun, hey, Pesachov, Gimel, Hashalech, Hashem, Yahavchavu, Yachakalecha. Cast all your worries onto our Kodesh Rokh when he's going to support and sustain you. Ask the Rebetzin, Rav Shmuel's Rebetzin. Arimakos, Hagimaldiga, Bobby. Frank Rebetzin, Tamakavanetsky, is this the way you speak to a Rebbe, to a Rav, to the Amishter? Hashlech, here, God, catch. Here, Rebbe, catch the football, I'm throwing it to you. Is that the Kavadik? Hashem, catch my worries. Nesina, miyad liyad, I'm going to give it to you. What in the world does this mean? Hashlech, Hashem, Yahavcha, Buyacha, Kalecha. Explained Rebetzin Tema Kamenetsky, Gevaldik, Gevaldik. She said, if you have to hand it to the Abishter, that means you're not ready to let go. If a son trusts his father 100%, then the son's ready to say, Tati, Abba, Daddy, I'm going to fall backwards, and I know you're going to catch me. And the son knows wholeheartedly. He knows that the father's not going to let him fall to the ground. Abishter, Hashlech, I'm throwing you my worries, my troubles, my difficulties, my predicaments and ordeals. If you're not ready to give them, put them up in the hands of Hashem, then you're not living with the highest levels of bitochon. Bitochon means, that it has to be Hashem, throw it to the Rebona Shalallah. And if you throw it to HaKadosh, when you're ready to release it, then relinquish any shlita, any control, you're ready to let go entirely. Then, you know what? God's going to take care of you. That's bitochon, Rabbi Sai. Let go of your worries, let go of your troubles. Cry yourself to sleep knowing that Hashem Yisbroch will always hold your hand. If He brought you to it, He's going to carry you through it. Let's live a life of simcha. Let's live a life of being somech ach verak on the Boreolam Yashakaya Chatzlach. Thank you.